Best of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science: storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. Today, we are exploring personal, social, health, and economic education with a poem based on a story by a ten-year-old learner from a small school in Cambridgeshire, England. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is. Hi, I'm Helen. I work in a small school in Buckinghamshire, currently with Exceptional Year One children. Hi, I'm Rob. I also work in Buckinghamshire, and I will be working with Year Four this year. And we're all very pleased to have you, our listener, with us here in our virtual school staff room. So, for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our finest cloaks, sprinkle some fairy dust, and hang tight to our magic carpet as we dive into this week's story. In the mountains overlooking a castle, there lives an enormous grumpy beast known as the giant Huff McTuff. On a good day, his incredibly long and knotted hair makes him permanently moan, which at least keeps travellers from accidentally wandering into his cave. But what would happen on a bad day? One morning, one day, this enormous grumpy head soon felt sure he'd got up on the wrong side of the bed. Such a mess was his hair; it was getting in his eyes. So he stropped and he stamped and he howled his horrid cries. Soon his mountainous feet made the ground begin to shake, and in no time at all, he had caused a major quake. From his mountain top fell an avalanche of rock and snow, which began to descend on the city down below. But I can't say what came of the giant stomps and curses until you have heard another twenty of my verses, and met the young lass with a shiny cap and tassel, fair Princess Barrett, who resided in the castle. And if you and your young learners want to know what comes of that giant stomps and curses, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Huff McTuff. There, you can stream a video of me telling the story, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the incredible Corky Paul, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion with Helen and Rob here by asking, folks, did this story rock? I love this story. I really liked the rhythm and the rhyme and the repetitive aspects of it,、mm. and I just loved the theme of the "No, you can't. You're a princess." Running through it,、uh, I really liked it as well. I thought similarly the way it's set out in separate stanzas or verses gives it a good rhythm and. I really liked the giant character. Actually, I was quite interested by him. 
that was good. Were either of you surprised by the fact that this was created by a young lad from a year five class originally? The poem, I, I should stress, it, it was put into verse by me, but the concept of the story came from um, a young lad of about, well, he would have been nine or ten from a small village school in Cambridgeshire. I thought that, that did surprise me, actually, because I, I thought the concept was brilliant, the actual structure of the story mm. and the the events that happen and the way the problem solved and the characters, of course. I thought for a year five child, it's very impressive. I think it shows how fantastic young people are at having brilliant imaginations. Yeah, I mean, you can sort of see the influences that have gone into it in some ways. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of the Gruffalo in Huff McTuff, for instance. But at the same time, you can see this desire to play around with the stereotypes. So, you know, absolutely. His main character is a princess who is constantly being told, that's not what you should be doing. You're a princess. Your job is to basically brush your hair and, and probably wait for a prince to come along and marry you. Um, and that's not what he wants his hero or heroine to get up to. Who's it by? Tony Ross, The Little Princess. Have you read those books? I haven't, no. Have you read them, Helen? No, I haven't, actually. No. Okay. Uh, I've read them in French. I've got, actually got French copies of them. But it is a little princess and she gets up to all kinds of different activities and she there are lots of staff in the castle that she meets and talks to and help her out. Uh, so there's one where you know, she wants to grow up and she goes around to all the different people, so the, the chef, the army general, the admiral, um, and says, what's it like to grow up? And they say, oh, you need to be brave, courageous, uh, clean. You need to do all these kind of things. And at the end she goes, oh, no, I don't want to grow up. That's too much hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that may well have been an influence on our young Logan, I think his name was. Who knows? But what sort of themes were really striking you then? I think a couple sort of struck me straight away and – there's the theme that we've already talked about a bit of princesses and what they can and can't do mm. and a bit of a boys and girls gender stereotyping theme. Mm. Um, but I also like the idea of uh, not judging by appearances. I thought that was a good, a good theme to have. Uh, in terms of judging Huff McTuff, you mean? Yes. Yeah. The fact that he's not only a giant, and they're often in stories, they're often not necessarily the kindest of characters. Mm. You know, his hair's all over the place. He's a mess. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be a good a good thing to look at with the children. Yeah. How would you explore those then with your age ranger of four to seven? And as, as part of the, the telling of the story, would you have an activity to go with them or, or what? Well, I think with the boys and girls stereotyping theme, what, what's really interesting to do is just see what the children already think. You might set up a, a conversation around jobs, for example, and just say, oh, so girls, which jobs do you think you could do best? Boys, which jobs do you think? And just get the ideas out there first to see what's already in their, in their minds, because from such a young age, children are exposed to a lot of stereotyping. And previously, I've had children in the class who sort of said, I think they said to our head teacher, actually, it was a little girl, and she said, oh, no, no, you can't do that. You need my daddy in his toolbox. You, you won't have a toolbox. It's just those kind of things. So it's really quite fun to have. You can have images of different jobs and different and just to see what they think they can or can't do or what they can or can't wear. And then open up the discussion and you'll often get some children saying, oh, no, that's not right. That's not right. 
I like him pink and I'm a boy or I often find a discussion is a good way forward with that rather than a set activity, just a circle time discussion. Well, I think you said you'd have that sort of discussion before you start telling this story then, right? Mm, I'm not sure really, actually. Possibly afterwards. I guess it, it depends which way you want to approach it. You could start with that and then look at the story. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, alternatively, you could read the story and then talk about the, mm. the princess and then see where we go from there. So actually use that as a way into the discussion. You know, princesses and girls, they can do all kinds of things and mm. boys can do all kinds of things and depending which way you want to approach it. Although I suppose, Rob, as, as you go further up the school, you might have to colour this a little bit with the element of responsibility because one of the reasons why princesses in particular are told that they have to behave a certain way is because they are at the head of, of the state or they are very closely related to the head of the state. And we've actually had quite a lot of um, this sort of discussion in the UK recently with the whole Harry and Meghan uh, situation, sort of wanting to leave the royal family in order to do whatever they want to do. I guess that could be a discussion you could take into. Yeah, how your responsibility for like your position in society almost, what your responsibilities are. I think I would approach it by, because as as a small child, there are jobs that the princess could do to help, but she was kind of told, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You're, you're a princess. And it kind of got me thinking about something that I had as a child, kind of in jest, which is the, like the parents' charter and the children's charter. So the parents' charter my mum and dad had, and it was things like, oh, we've got to embarrass you as much as possible. <laughs> so that's part of the parents' charter. So uh, like a, a charter of things that children can do and what your responsibilities are. I think you might think about the consequences of your responsibilities as well. And, or if you don't meet your responsibilities, what might happen? I think similar to like Ellen said as well about the difference between gender stereotype. And you might look historically at the way that women have been seen as the the weaker of the two, not my viewpoint, I hasten to add, but how that's changed over time and in history. So look at suffragettes and people like that and say, okay, well, these women have shown that they are equal to the job. You could bring current things into it. You could say, should female sports stars be paid the same as male sports stars, which is a discussion I've had before in the past. And interestingly the girls said yes and some of the boys said yes but most of the boys said no that's interesting what was their reasoning yeah it was, was that just their their gut instinct did they have a reason or was it just we did it in the summer and we were talking about tennis because it was at Wimbledon the the pay is the same for men and women as it should be but I said well but the women play less sets of tennis but they're being paid the same so I kind of Played a bit of devil's advocate. With uh, so you were tricking them into <laughs> a bit, it then. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's interesting to see what they thought. Did you also point out that it was um, an all-female game of tennis that has is in the world records for the longest ever volley? Something like a half-hour um, run between these two players. Wow. Uh, I didn't, no. If you're doing it based on the time played, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they should be paid by hour. That that would be yeah. the fairest way of doing it. Of course, very closely related to responsibility is rights. And would either of you look at those at all? I would definitely, with the older children, look at the, the European Court of Children, what that looks like and 
the rights and responsibilities that children have all around the world so the right to education the right to shelter and things like that and how the children in the class receive those and whether all children around the world do or don't receive them and what we can do about it there is a lovely book for children on the rights of the child it's called we are all born free um, and i think it's published by um amnesty international maybe uh-huh but yes, it's called We Are All Born Free. And I did have a copy once upon a time. If I can find it, I'll share it with you. But it's a beautiful version of the rights of the child. And it's just illustrated. And um, I'd recommend that if you're looking at children's rights with, with key stage two children. Ah. In, in terms of the PSHE kind of things, mm-hmm. I'd probably have a little look at um, judging by appearances with the children. Uh-huh. Just because I think at the start of the story, slash poem, you get quite a clear image of this giant and giants in general, I think, in stories. And I think it's possibly could be a good opportunity to to talk about that with the children. And mm. what do you think about this character? You know, can we draw him? What do you think about him now? What do you think about him once we get to know him a bit more? And that I think that could be just a little a little session with the children, nothing, nothing too much. And you could use a book. You know, there's books around for children, picture books that explore that theme. Yeah. And the one that came to my mind was The Ugly Five by Julia Donaldson. Uh, it just looks at, no, not, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. Although I suppose in this particular story, it kind of does matter even to Huff what he looks like because his appearance is not just a horrible appearance, but it's also causing him himself some issues, isn't it? He's getting his hair all tangled up. And I think it might be quite important, if you very important indeed, to bring in those other texts that look at times when the way we look is just part of who we are, and that's fine. But there can be other times where the way we look is actually something that does need to have some help with, or it can be a sign that may Maybe we don't have all of the resources available to us. So I'm thinking someone who is uh, from one of the poorest parts of India, for example, they are going to look very disheveled. We might look at them and think that it's not a, a very pleasant sight, but that is because they don't have all of the resources that they need in order to um, help them to, I suppose, live more comfortably, shall we say. So... I, I suppose what we were trying to show is here that the difference between imposing a particular view on someone and helping someone, because I think you can definitely say that Princess Perrette helps Huff in this story, can't you? Yes, definitely. Yeah, she she doesn't she doesn't kind of look at him and go, "Oh, I'm not going to interact with you. I'm not going to play with you. I'm not going to talk to you because mm. of the way he looks." And he she goes beyond that. Whereas perhaps at the start he's avoided because. Because of whatever, he's you know, he's all alone in his mountain. Exactly. Um, and I think she spots yeah. that he is suffering a little bit yes. with his um tangled up nose hair and head hair and <laughs> everywhere else hair. She potentially also feels a bit of a kindred spirit in the fact that nobody else in the castle wants her help or wants to almost spend time with her. She's got to go and find, or she's not got to go and find someone, but she does go and find someone else who's in a similar situation. Mm. Similar, slightly lonely situation. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. I like that for you. 
That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Tomorrow, Huff and Princess Barrett will help us teach English, but right now it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And we, and we hope, hope to hear your, your story, story soon. soon.